Movie Wheel Nerds. This is episode 220. I'm Todd. And I'm Chuck. We're going to be talking about motorcycles. And episode one. <laughs> Welcome to Wheel Nerds. <laughs> episode one, The Revenge. Revenge of one. One is back. <sighs> okay. Hello. How are you, listeners? <sighs> Todd. I'm swell. I am so tired. <clears throat> what? I taught, a, uh, I taught a BRC this weekend. Okay. Um, so we are allowed to hold 11 students on the range. Um, we normally only do 10. Okay. Um, and we had a person who was waiting and so we brought her on the range cause you know, we were like, fuck it, we can hold 11. Let's do it. Okay. That was a lot of students. Um, it was a big class of students and most of them had like zero experience on motorcycles. There were a couple who had some, most of them had zero, but then a lot of them had like no experience with shifting and things like that. Okay. Um, massively different spread of skill levels. Uh, one guy grabbed a handful of front brake and just biffed it hard. Oh, yeah, that sucked. Um, okay. He's he got up and walked. He's like, I want to keep riding. I'm like, nope. <laughs> you know, honestly, I let him because he was he had gone from like meh to pretty okay actually. Okay. Um, you know, several of them did actually. They all passed and they okay. all went. You know, even the ones who like started like really rough, um, were pretty decent by the end. So like. But it took it out of you. Jesus did it ever. Right. Um, and then, you know, I had a new coach who I was helping break in, you know. And oh, I'm like, okay. This is hard. Sarah's like, yeah, welcome to be a senior. Welcome to be a, welcome to being Welcome a to what? <laughs> welcome to being Welcome a, to what? Welcome to one, being one, 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 two. <laughs> welcome to what? Welcome to being a senior coach, chump. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, you, you damn it. <laughs> when students like how long have you been riding for i was like mm, you know 15 16 years how long have you been teaching for I, 10 years oh my god <laughs> oh yeah because you're turning 40 soon yes no that <laughs> happened well it's happening <laughs> still can't wait to give you your birthday present oh lordy it's not big okay it's not expensive okay banish all of those expectations i was right really now. hoping for something super fancy um, like a grom no but it was inspired by something you've already had. Okay. All right. I can I can I can get with that. Cool. Uh we have a contest winner. Contest music. I'm just making up fetch me the banjo. You done? Yes. Yeah? Okay, good. So I wasn't kidding. Bye. I wasn't kidding about doing a contest. We uh for reviews. Mm -hmm. And we have a winner. Ooh. D Halo. Halo Hilo. Hi Hilo. He sent me this. Um he got the review up on iTunes. Mm. He said he had to edit it a little bit just so he wouldn't get reported. Uh his review is the podcast is fantastic with lots of great info delivered with a ton of humor. Lies, lies, lies. I actually hated it at first. Probably true. But after the pace went MIA, I had to listen to something. Eventually, Stockholm Syndrome kicked in, so here I am. Honestly, the show is great, with the only downside being Chuck is kind of nuts. I recommend not leaving a one-star review, since the last time I did that, he tracked me down. I woke up to him shirtless at the foot of my bed, punching me in the groin. Still, the pace hasn't come back, so what else can I do? And the challenge was to say, in your review that I would be there shirtless punching you in the dick. Mm -hmm. Groin is acceptable. The we, judges we will accept the substitution. Judges took it. Mm -hmm. And the Halo got a $25 gift certificate to Arrow Stitch. Nice. Because when I say it's a real contest, I mean it's a real fucking contest. Mm -hmm. Yes. Get the uh, the elk skin gauntlet gloves. You won't be sorry. 
Um, I demand more reviews though. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking for the rest of the year, mm-hmm. once a month, mm-hmm. we'll take the best new review wherever it is. You got to send your re- review to us or a link to the review so that we can see it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It has to be published somewhere. And we'll pick the best one once a month and we'll do something. Something. The yeah. something will change. Sometimes the something will be something really cool, like an arrow stitch gift certificate. Other times will be something less cool. Like, like Todd. Like, like old greasy bolts. <laughs> like 40-year-old no Todd, Todd showing up talking I'm, about your diet. I'm just going to throw down. I'm thinking maybe like a lot of listeners might enjoy something like a like an old Strom sprocket with like the teeth all shark shaped because it's been used so much. Oh, okay. Yeah, someone would enjoy that. That'd be a fun gift, right? Yeah, that would be good. Yeah. Um, I think for a challenge in June, mm-hmm. what I'd like to see is a review and link to our podcast written on a bathroom stall. Mm, that would be an intense. But I am not encouraging vandalism. No, that would be wrong. We take no responsibility for it and would never advocate for it, though we might reward it. Especially if it's funny. Yep. Well, there you go, kid. Wait, what if it's their own bathroom? Well, does that count? No, it has to be a public one. Mm. There we go. It's okay. got to be a public mm. bar, high, mm. highway rest stop. Mm. I don't know. Work. Mm. I don't care. <laughs> You're not picky. Not picky. There you go, kids. Yay. Okay, so we got this YouTube video uh, from Randy mm-hmm. of a kid who basically took a, got an old truck mm-hmm. and then put a lawnmower engine in it. Yeah, and the craziest part about it is like it actually works. Like th- this guy, he this kid put it in like really well. <laughs> it totally yeah. works. I would, I would love it. Um, and the, the, the coolest part I thought was, uh, it had raccoons living in it when yes. he got it. Actual raccoons <laughs> living in the truck. <laughs> this guy's, this guy, this kid has hit the shadow economy early in life. <laughs> Earlier than most. And, and you know, you watch the end of the video and he's driving it around and I can't make fun of him. No, I there's, it's I, cool. there's absolutely nothing I can make fun of. Like he made this thing work and it's, it works freaking great. Yeah. He's like, you know, it got up to 20, but you know, like, what do you freaking expect? Yeah. Can you imagine having a truck like that when you were like 14, 15? <laughs> it'd be I so would, cool. It'd be the fucking coolest thing around, man. Yeah. You could be like, oh, it's not a car. It's, it's, it's a lawnmower. No, no, this is clearly a mower. It's a mower. It's a utility vehicle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Look at the, look at the engine. Mm-hmm. But that's awesome. Yeah, that's way cool. Super cool. So uh, uh, nobody used our voicemail in the past, except for occasionally. We did occasionally, very occasionally. Yeah, yeah. But I did. I do miss having. So we got it back. Yay! Well, we got a new one. Okay. We got a new number. New, different number. Yeah. So if you call the old Royal Nerds voicemail, it'll just like collect your information and you know like send Chinese spies to your house. I think an escort answers. Oh, okay. <laughs> that it's almost funnier. That yeah. Way. So our new number is area code 801-305-4677. Mm. Does that spell anything dirty? No. I'm I disappointed don't, I don't think so. Google doesn't really give me that option. Uh, spell something dirty? Yeah. Click here to spell something dirty? <laughs> I did. I did. I missed that checkbox. And if you're unlucky when you call this number, I might answer. Ooh. Yeah. Harsh. <laughs> Hello, this is Chuck. Oh, God. Click. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Yeah. Hey, Jack, I want to talk. Okay, bye. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, give us a call. Leave, uh, you know, leave silly messages. Leave uh, the any sound messages. of your bike starting up. Any messages at all? We're so lonely. So lonely. <laughs> this is the worst. I only have Todd. Uh, you know what you could have instead of me is you could have a new motorcycle. 
Yes. You could have, you know, something like, say, hypothetically, a 2010 Harley Davidson Road King. Okay. Yeah. Would I want one? Well, this one has two front tires. <laughs> hey, look at that. Yes. So, you know, two front tires, that's compelling, right? Yeah. So this is a 2019 Road King with Tilting Motorworks Trio front end kit installed. The kit is not much wider than the saddlebags, and with it on, it handles like it has two wheels. The Trio front end has all the upgrades, including tilt lock system. I've also added a Pingle electric shifter, some clutching, and some other things. Uh, looks like a bunch of adaptations. So I'm getting the impression that maybe this was done as an adapted bike. I believe, um, yeah. For somebody with like one leg, no legs, something. Yeah, because it's basically like a upright scooter. Yeah, for all intents and purposes. Which is cool. I mean, if that's yeah, if you need that so you can ride, then yeah, cool. Yeah, it go looks it. good. Looks real good. Yeah. This this uh ad came from our Facebook group page. Oh, really? Yeah, the okay. Wheel Nerds group. If you haven't yeah. joined, go join. Go check it out. But uh yeah, this is a cool bike. This is a surprisingly well put together piece of kit. Yeah. Um the two front tires look deeply strange on the Harley. Uh, yeah, especially with the front fender like that. Well, I think, I think they did, they did this big bloopy front cowling thing to make it look, look less like a, weird. Yeah. It kind of looks a little bit like a car. It does. It's yeah. got like an old timey car kind of quality like about it. Like a grill, like a grill, yeah. and a grill cover. I, I'm thinking that's what they're going for. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it, deliberate. it's cool because it leans. Yep. It actually leans. And then if it's got the tilt lock system, then they can do the thing where they come to a stop and they hit the tilt lock and it mm-hmm. doesn't fall. Yeah. It doesn't fall over. So if you want something that leans, but you can't necessarily hold up something that doesn't balance itself, yep. this starts to make some sense. 13,000 miles on it. That's 23 grand. Yeah. Mm. Neat. I like it. Yep. And the color is actually still really good, too. Yeah, I, I, I can't make fun of this bike. I'm a little stymied by the idea, though, of like a, a strange trike that isn't like sketchy in some way. Because like all we get are sketchy. All we trikes. get are sketchy trikes. Like I'm looking <laughs> for the like, punchline. I'm like, where's the? Where's the raccoon? A, there's somewhere in here. There's a there's a place raccoons live. I, just, I don't I haven't <laughs> spotted it yet. They live in yet. one of the side cases. Not yet, but I'm, I'm going to find it, Chuck. <laughs> there is a raccoon, raccoon here somewhere. <laughs> somewhere there's a raccoon. Raccoon. Raccoon hunting. Mm, yes. It's just uh, it's just so clean and good looking. Yep, and all the all the uh, all the modifications are all like really well done, professionally done too. Yeah, I got. You know, they don't look clobbered on at all. I'm not gonna knock this bike. Nope, not like our next bike. We need something else to knock. A 1972 Honda. Hey, those were cool. It's a vintage Honda 250 XL. Good project bike. No text. Leave messages best. Mm-hmm. Not stolen. And he wants three hundred dollars for it. Three hundred dollars, and it for appears a... to be parked next to a camper. No, a tree. A 47 nope. year old bike. Mm-hmm. Yep. It would be a great project. It would be a great project. Or they don't specify what kind of project, Chuck. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, all that rust on the pipes, probably nothing to worry about. The oh. dry rot you can see on the tires, even from this distance. Personality. It's fine. Yeah, it's, it's totally fine. Cool. It's personality. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's just fine. There's nothing to worry about here. The, uh, the fact that uh, even the side of the tank is rusted, which takes some doing. That's a custom paint job. Takes years to mm-hmm. achieve that. That effect. patina, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that yeah. front fender. Uh. So there's a few things here that I have to say that spring out at me as being conspicuously absent from the information about this bike. Starting with, does it run? No. Has it ever? <laughs> Not in, this century. It, <laughs> would any millennial have ever seen this bike driving down the road? <laughs> <laughs> no. Not that they'd remember. <laughs> I, I, wow. 
Yeah, so that's a thing. Good project bike. Is is it just me or is, is that code for like is a complete piece of shit? Oh, that is definitely what they mean by this. Mm-hmm. The other the other thing about this is this is one where you've got the fun background that tells a little more of the story. Yeah, that's where that person is living. Yeah, there's a there's trailer. a there's a crappy old seventies <laughs> uh trailer in the covered with rust right behind it. Yeah. The other possibility is this is like the you know like parent died, now must go and and sell all the things. Uh-huh. This is a this was a hoarder's house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Meanwhile, the same person is selling a 200X, whatever that is. Uh, Looks like a three-wheeler. Uh, 200X frame. Yep. Headlight works. What you see is what you get. No text. Leave messages best. This person is a person of few words and descriptors. $100. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, it's an old three-wheeler. Yeah, okay. it's an old three-wheeled ATV. Uh-huh. Yeah, th- this Headlight is all works. This is all a bit strange, not going to lie. Yeah. This all has that like kind of like I found these things and don't really know who owns them, but maybe you can come buy them. This person bought a um storage unit. <laughs> oh, that could be. Yeah, like like they discovered like this this boneyard mm. in the back of some land they bought or something mm-hmm. out in the middle of the desert maybe. <laughs> yeah, I can buy that. I that could be that could fit. You can not find haunted. things. No, no, no. The Ghost of the previous owner absolutely 100% does not haunt that bike. Absolutely. No, you're totally safe. Totally so, safe. So here we have a, next up, a Ooh. rat bike. Okay, those that, that isn't necessarily bad. One of a kind. Mm-hmm. Coolest pit bike on the planet for $900. That's a bold statement. <laughs> I have a custom build one-off rat bike, pit bike. It has a nine horsepower Briggs motor. It has an electric start system. Like a snowblower. It has a new $45 battery. It has a torque converter drive. It is strong. Off the line. It is fast. 55 miles an hour. Please no. Take it to the drag strip and watch the crowd gather around you. As you fall over. It has a $225 rear wheel and tire. It has a disc rear brake. It has an old tractor seat for that rat bike look. Was a big hit at the Rat Rod show this year. Time to sell it and get a new project. I will only take $900 cash. No trades. No checks ever. I won't ever drop the price. I'm getting a real like. Uh, I think he's serious about the 900 bucks. I, I, I get that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a certain there's a certain strange like dissonance here. Between the the elements of the ad, uh huh, you know, I won't drop the price ever nine hundred dollars, but it has a two hundred dollar rear wheel on it. <laughs> like why why do you feel the need to say that? You know, because it's fancy. Ah, uh, I want you to know I spent money on this bike mm-hmm. to make it so popular mm-hmm. at the Rat Bike Show. Mm-hmm. Rat mm-hmm. Rod yes. Show. Rat. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Rat bike. Right. Rat bike. It. Rat bike. But rat. I uh, I I I don't know where to start with this thing. That's a thing. The the front tire looks like it has some roundedness to it. The uh frame is daring. Um <laughs> it appears to be a plate frame. My favorite part is there's one post that holds up the front end. <laughs> I can get up to 50, 55 miles an hour with that frame and those tires. Uh-huh. Damn. Hope you don't need to turn ever. <laughs> I hope you don't have Many plans for your future. Yes. Hope you hope you're, you're, you're you know you've lived a good life. Hope you're wearing your Helite vest. 
<laughs> Hope you're wearing your Helite pants. <laughs> I mean, damn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, that's a, that's a, this, well, it's a rat bike. It's, well, no, this isn't even a rat bike. Okay. This is like somebody had some stuff. <laughs> and they were like, what can I do with this stuff? Okay. Nine horsepower Briggs motor. Is that a lawnmower yeah. engine? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Totally is. Yeah. Yeah. The kid, the kid with the truck is like, you got a nine horsepower? <laughs> Bro, how'd you do that? Where'd you get that, man? I'd rather have the kid's truck. <laughs> yeah. Can't argue. I go for the truck. Mm-hmm. Truck would at least be useful. <laughs> what are you bringing? I'm bringing a lot of things. How fast are you going? Not. <laughs> but, you know. Going. Hey. Yes. Going. <laughs> Goes. Affirmative. Te- technically, yes. <laughs> Forward and also backwards. <laughs> Go team. <laughs> yeah. Okay. One other conspicuous absent item I notice here. I love the oil drum for burning. Burning things. Oh, yeah. In the background. Yeah. Yeah. The oil drum for burning things. Yeah. Yeah. And in the background, you can also see there's some other cruiser motorcycle. Yep. It's all like super clean and nice. Yep. Like they put the tire shine on. Yep. I always laugh when I see tire shine on motorcycles. <laughs> it's a thing. Yeah, it is. All right. Meanwhile, no. Yeah, I thought you might like this one. There's a Cushman Silver Eagle 1965, 3200 bucks, and it is fucking immaculate. Oh my God. Even the leather looks good. Holy shit. 1965 Eagle with title which is impressive in itself front and rear brakes loads of chrome nine horsepower omc engine runs and shifts good my god look at that thing it's gorgeous yeah in it's weird weird cushman way that is a cool little bike that is so cool <laughs> yeah, the cushman cushman's for those who don't know was a particularly like fancy slash odd slash i don't even I, they defy description go look them up they are a thing they were they were a neat little like transport scooter, and this one has actually they put a seat on the back. But one of the things Cushman did that was fairly unique is the back of a Cushman was basically a big fucking flatbed. Mm-hmm. So like you want to bring you know a sheep, uh, a, a cooler, like a, literally like a full size cooler of shit with you, yeah. uh, boxes of crap, uh, you know like all the cabbages from your farm, uh-huh. whatever. You could fucking bring it on the Cushman. Yeah. You could do that to this. Just take the seat off. Yeah, you just take the seat off. I, I, I honestly, it's almost like criminal to have the seat there. Is what I'm, I'm like. It's a Cushman. You have to have a big flatbed. Yeah, why aren't there two by fours back there? Like I feel, I feel cheated in some way. Uh huh. You know. I just I like how how this bike looks. It it looks. And then the thing they did with the Cushman was they made it look kind of like a cruiser. Mm-hmm. Kinda. Yeah. And it kind of has sort of a retro. Mm-hmm. You know it's what? a 1965 dude it is literally retro yeah it is retro made made manifest but more like it kind of has like a fallout retro vibe to it like yeah. this is the kind of thing the fallout makers well, well, were inspired it, by well yeah it, so the fallout is what's called retro futurist mm-hmm. bear with me here folks this is going to get nerdy okay okay so there was this weird you know around like the 50s right yeah the future you know we had the bomb and now yep. the future was limitless in front of us yep. and everybody's like technology is totally forward and we're going to do all yep. this new technology, nothing. And I mean, not a goddamn thing socially is going to change. Women are going to stay in their place and wear pearls and fucking clown lipstick and high heels in the kitchen. Dad's going to put on a three piece suit and go to work with his jet pack. Right. Yep. There was no concept that technological change would change the actual social society. fabric mm-hmm. or society. And so they had all of this wonderful, like beautifully done art 
of this retro futurist stuff. Yep. And there's this very distinctive style to it. And you're, you're probably picturing it in your head now. Yeah. But everyone can see this, but some of the, some of the stuff that they made was stuff like this. Yeah. They're like, what will it look like when bikes are futuristic? And here you go. This was like the cutting edge state of the art height of style motorcycle, but done up in basically a, like a practical scooter, mm -hmm. you know, and People, it looks awesome. So, so this was, this was like competing with now the Honda super cup, which was coming on strong, mm -hmm. you know, which looks more like a conventional. Yeah. It looks more like a conventional two wheeler scootery kind of thing. Yeah. But I mean, the super cup, you have to remember the super cup was stupidly cheap and Honda. It's the first thing Honda really sold in any numbers here. And it was just selling like fucking crazy. And Honda still exists. Yes. Yes. Interestingly. Um, but yeah, so this was, this was competing with that. We're going to be practical, mm -hmm. but this one looks cool. That does look badass. That really neat. <laughs> really neat. Really cool. Mm -hmm. Original nine horsepower OMC engine, but so it goes. There is, you could get a Cushman. Okay. You'd be rad on this. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> no. Damn it, Chuck. <laughs> I'm not going to Huntsville to buy a bike. But, but no. But it's a Cushman. No. But no. Uh, I don't want it. I'm going to go tell the guy from the local brewery that has all the Cushmans and old. Uh, yeah, tell him. All those. Yeah, he'll buy this thing in a heartbeat. That yeah, thing will be that thing will be upstairs in a minute. Okay. Sounds good. Mm. So speaking of small, unintimidating, practical bikes, we have a guest tonight. We do. Who's going to get you to motorcycle. Well, get someone you know to motorcycle. Okay, we're on with Robert Pandia of the IMS Discover the Ride Initiative. Hey, Robert, how you doing? Great. How are you guys doing? We're okay, surviving. We're we're getting by. It's the end of the holiday. Mm -hmm. Are are we sober? Uh, I am more so than usual. I, I'm oddly enough, drinking like seltzer. Yeah, I just fall asleep if I drink any beer right now. That's <laughs> the nature of a busy weekend. We're lame wheel nerds. I was out. I was out making new riders, which actually is an interesting segue into what. You do, isn't it, yeah. Robert? So awesome. you're you're the you're in charge of the Discover the Ride initiative, which is something that IMS puts on. How about you tell us about it instead of me flapping my jaw? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Discover the Ride was uh, an idea brought to the International Motorcycle Shows Tour, um, which is the uh, largest uh, touring motorcycle um, show series in North America. Mm -hmm. And uh, the idea there was to make motorcycle training as easy as possible. And uh, there are other elements around Discover the Ride, but the core part of it is we wanted to take somebody who was a pedestrian mm -hmm. and turn them into a rider in 10 minutes. Hmm. And uh, we we're able to do that courtesy of our partners at Zero Motorcycles and Cycle Gear mm -hmm. uh, and Total Control Training, Lee Park's outfit. Mm -hmm. And that program was very, very successful during this last IMS tour. Mm -hmm. um, the entire program, including kids, uh, over 8,000 participants. Cool. Uh, and then on the zeros, the full-size motorcycles, we saw over 6,000. So it's really um, – uh, that's that's the uh, the overall uh, program is you come to a motorcycle show and you expect to just get to see motorcycles. Mm -hmm. But instead, we're actually tossing you the keys – to specially modified zeros and we were all of us on the staff were were sort of equally surprised by how many people come to a motorcycle show uh who are not yet riders and that hmm. you know 
That sounds odd, right? It's like it does. It sounds really strange. Of course, there would be non-writers checking out the show, but the percentage who come who aren't writers who are using the show to explore motorcycling uh, was uh, was really big, and um, the opportunity to actually get to ride an electric motorcycle in the show was a real bonus for them. So the program was very successful. It'll be definitely continuing on to next year's tour. Uh, and then uh, at the very end of this year's tour, we had an opportunity to explore engaging an automotive audience in Dallas at the Dallas Auto Show. So uh, it's really a, an exciting initiative and, and one that I'm really proud to uh, have been, uh, been part of uh, creating and tweaking and making better and essentially creating as many riders as we can within that venue for the benefit of the entire industry. So now I got I got to ask the obvious question is you, you're encouraging people to ride motorcycles at a motorcycle show, which seems, you know, like easy work. Um, mm-hmm. But the if the people were already self-selecting by going to the motorcycle show, what actual like difference do you expect there was in terms of their conversion to full on riders? I mean, were they was it already a foregone conclusion and you just kind of, you know, gave them a little extra shove to hurry up already? Or were they were they people who were kind of like in tow with? People who were motorcycle riders saying, Hey, you got, you got, I'm the only one who has the car keys today. So you have to come with me to this motorcycle show. <laughs> and then no, it's like a captive audience. I, I think that's a really smart question. And, um, I think that the, uh, if you were to go to a, uh, Comic Con convention and you would expect that everybody would be dressed up and you would find the people wearing, uh, polo shirts and khaki pants who are slightly uncomfortable but interested. Mm-hmm. they would sort of stick out, right, versus all the superheroes. Whereas at a motorcycle show, everyone's just kind of like walking around and, and looking at stuff. So uh, the reality is is that getting into motorcycling is a it's a big step. And those of us who've been in it for a while, um, I've been in it for over 30 years myself, it, you know, it, it doesn't seem like that big a deal to, to many of us because we've, you know, we've gone through the hurdles and, and we speak the language and we know how to do that. But to get somebody who has never ridden before to ride, the traditional thing has been, well, you got to sign up for an MSF course or a total control course, and that's going to be this many hundred dollars, and it's going to take you four days, and you know you need some gear and this and that. There's several hurdles, right, as opposed to buying a $7 ticket to come to the motorcycle show and um, to uh, – uh, get a chance to throw your leg over a bike. You know, we're going to loan you gear. We're going to have instructors and that sort of thing. And we have lowered the bar for for entry to mm-hmm. such a degree that people who thought that they would only be passengers decided to jump on the motorcycle and give it a shot and discovered that they liked having a throttle in their hand and controlling their own bike. And other people who thought that um, you know, it's going to be another six months or a year before they can save up and, and have that first experience instead get to, you know, jump on a bike and, and ride. And of course the show tour happens over the winter. So we're sort of priming everybody for the spring season and new ridership. So, mm-hmm. so really, um, it's easy to think that, you know, motorcyclists come to motorcycle shows. Uh, but, um, we've had a lot of people, who were just exploring motorcycling that came to that show and wanted to uh, give it a shot. So, Okay. Um, continuing down this track, did you notice a difference between the reception you guys got at the auto show versus at an IMS show? 
Yes. Um, so the auto show, obviously, uh, there is, you know, we, we only make up about, you know, depending on the statistics you want to believe, I think about 7% of the transportation matrix at best, right? Um, so going to an auto show where people are going in there not only to maybe look at cool custom cars, but to shop for their next minivan, uh, you're really in that sort of, um, you know, the hoi polloi of, of uh, transportation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had to do a little bit more work to kind of create the confidence to, to get people to engage. We also had people who were never, ever going to be motorcycle customers. But here's this chance. It's sort of like that slingshot ride at Daytona. You know, I'm never going to jump out of an airplane, but I can strap myself into this cage and, you know, and, and shoot up in the air, right? Oh, hell and no. So, yeah, what the <laughs> heck? I'll give it a shot, right? And um, so we got a lot of that. So it was a little bit more work in the auto show, but it was also, in some ways, in many sort of individual uh, circumstances, uh, it was really exciting because we, we were delivering motorcycling from something that this audience may have seen from the outside, mm-hmm. and now they've done it. And the entire mission for Discover the Ride, both at the IMS show uh, and in any sort of non-motorcycling venue, is to literally trigger that one little brain cell that goes, oh, man, I can do this. If we do that as an industry, just across the board, that fundamentally changes um, you know, uh, our perspective on what it is to bring new riders in. Instead mm-hmm. of prefacing all that with, oh, you gotta, you know, you need to buy a $600 helmet and you're going to need to buy this new D-Air suit and, you know, you're definitely going to want to bike, buy a bike that's got traction control and yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. All the other stuff that sort of derails somebody from getting into it. Have you tried telling people not to go to the Harley Davidson dealership? Well, <laughs> so, so awkward silence. What, one thing I gotta ask. So, so assumptive in your statement there. Now, so like, okay, you gotta buy a six hundred dollar helmet. Yeah, guess what? Uh, if your head is a six hundred dollar helmet head, you're you're fucked. Sorry, kids. Um, it's just the way it is. Um, six hundred isn't the norm for a helmet. I mean, most people are gonna be able to get away with a two three hundred dollar helmet, but at the same time, yeah, you do once you decide to get into it. So I, I guess I there uh, and then. You need a bike with traction control. So assumptive in there, and, and maybe that's, you know, it is what it is because you're at the IMS show, is that you are trying to encourage people to get into it without having to buy a new bike. Literally, all we're trying to do is to get people to get on a motorcycle and twist the throttle for themselves the first mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. That's See, it. Like it. It's literally, it's just that first step. That's mm-hmm. all we want. And, uh, you know, when we do that on these zero motorcycles that – that I, have you guys had a chance to ride a zero or anything like that? No, no, no. Wah, wah. That's who's yeah. hanging out at the Harley dealership all the time. So you guys, uh, <laughs> hey, they have free coffee. That's easy true. Now. Uh, so anyway, but the um, the electric motor, it, it's an unbelievably perfect product for rider training because I can dial back the top speed on that thing just through the computer. Uh, we dial it back to about 11, 12 miles an hour. Uh, and then we set the throttle up in such a way that no matter how fast you whack the throttle open, it'll only accelerate at sort of a, a nice steady rate. So you can't whiskey throttle the bike. Mm-hmm. In order to do that, the easiest way to do that on a on a uh, internal combustion bike would be on like the new Honda um, Super Cub, where you put it in first gear, you unbolt the shift lever, uh, and then you put a throttle restrictor on the throttle grip so it only opens like 10 percent 
and then you've created an internal combustion, you know, uh, mimic of what we can do with that um, electric bike. And the electric motorcycle has no noise, so it's very easy for my instructors to talk to people on the course. There's no vibration to create distraction, uh, and there's no heat. So it's really, it's one of those things that it's, it is an easy thing to get into. And I think that uh, not everybody's cut out for motorcycling. So we're not trying to say that the entire world needs to be on two wheels. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do think that we can lower the barriers to entry and we can give people that taste test mm-hmm. uh, and, um, and show people, you know, the way to become addicted. Book them early and then jack up the price. $600 exactly. helmets. Let me introduce you to 600 dollars helmet vendor. So those reasons you listed, that's the reason why you guys want the electric motorcycle. Well, that and we can run them indoors. You know, if you want to mm-hmm. you want to have a difficult conversation, imagine IMS's conversation with uh, uh, eight different fire marshals. Yeah, we'd like to put brand new riders onto motorcycles inside your building and light them on fire while the public is walking around. Does that work? Mm-hmm. So, you know, so it really took the horsepower of an international motorcycle shows tour to pull this off. And the, you know, I mean, that tour has been going for over 30 years uh, in some of these venues. So, so it takes that kind of brand power within the show circuit to convince um, event directors that you're not going to just be torpedoing people through cinder block walls on a regular basis. Right. And so um, it's, that's, that's what it takes. Uh, And, um, as an industry, again, if, if, if we don't find creative ways to make motorcycling accessible to more people, there's never, yeah, it's not about product. You guys know this. We've never had such a fantastic variety of product on the market with capabilities. And that extends all the way down into the used, used, I was looking for, um, uh, used Bonneville, uh, speed twins for my sister who's getting into riding and you know we're sitting there on facebook marketplace and there was like i don't know it was like 10 of them in the chicago metroplex area um you know that were at like five grand six grand something like that and it's just you know it's fantastic motorcycles for not a whole lot of money um are out there the product is out there what has to change to increase motorcycling is truly the attitude of the industry and oems and the aftermarket um to increase access to that discovery part and once we do that the rest of it will start rolling itself out we're good at the we're good at steps two three four five six Hmm. holy cow i made you guys quiet yeah it's an interesting point so one thing i gotta ask about and this is somewhat of a non sequitur but i noticed that you said more than two thousand kids rode stay psych bikes Basic, yeah. Yeah. Can you do me a favor and never, ever let my kids know that these things exist? <laughs> I've well, seen those at IMS a few times. I, am, I dig the Stasic. I understand why uh, why Harley bought the Stasic brand, uh, but I'm also a uh, ambassador oh? for Strider bikes. Oh. And, and the Striders are amazing, right? Because they're at the $100, $100 price point. Mm-hmm. And kids as young as um, uh, 18 months are you know are getting on these things with like little rocking horse bases and then eventually they start walking around and all of a sudden they're five years old and they're 
they're doing Strider Cup races in downtown LA, which happened about three weeks mm-hmm. ago, four weeks ago. And yeah. it's like a mini motor. It's, it's labeled as the cutest race in the world. Yeah. Todd's already doing a shopping list. No, I, I have one sitting in my garage. I know exactly what it <laughs> yeah, is. So you get yeah. it, right? So that's, that's the other end of my personal spectrum no. is trying to get more kids <laughs> onto Strider bikes across the country. But, mm-hmm. um, but really it's, you know, we, we sometimes take in this industry, we take for granted the buzzwords of freedom and control and, uh, you know, being out in nature and riding with the wind and all that kind of stuff. But the, the people who haven't been exposed to that, once they have been exposed to that, it's, um, it, you know, it's an option that unfortunately with a 50% reduction in, you know, youths using bicycles as transportation in the last few years, that does not bode well for the motorcycle industry in the coming 10 or 15. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Discover the Ride is about creating new riders in the next three, six, nine months. And then initiatives like um, allkidsbike.org, that is to create new riders in 10, 15, 20 years. Mm. Hmm. Can you walk us through what happens for, uh, to, a, a, to a person, but for someone who goes to this uh, new rider course and tries it out. I mean, what's the process? I'm at Discover for the ride. I'm like, oh my god, my friend told me motorcycles were dangerous, but I want to try anyway because I'm, you know, because I'm cool. Contrary, my friend, yeah, I'm cool, cool. I'm cool. Well, uh, you know, the uh, Discover the ride. We bring people in. Um, the first thing we do is put them onto Yamaha Power Assist bicycles, both MSF and Total Control, and any any you know the. The, the Harley Davidson school. Basically, step number one is you have to know how to ride and balance on a bicycle, which goes back to mm-hmm. why striders and, and are so important and bicycles are important. Um, so we put them on a Yamaha Power Assist bicycle, which is a, a class one um, pedal assist. So you have to move your feet in order for the electric motor to give any assistance, right? There's not a throttle on it. Okay. And so we put them on that. That's really exciting. Yamaha is obviously a brand that carries over into power sports, even though this is a different division of Yamaha. Um, the, uh, uh, the number of people who've been exposed to power assist bicycles in this country is very low. Uh, and all of a sudden they go like, yep, motorcycle guys who just wanted to try an electric motorcycle are like, man, I don't want some of these guys. I don't want to get on a power assist bicycle. I don't care about that. And of course you don't, Fatty. Like, I mean – Enjoy, I, sir. You'll like it. Yeah, I need one. I'm like, just go do one lap, man. And I never had anybody like come in just doing one lap and come back in. They just did the entire session because it's a lot of fun. So they do that. They basically have proven to us now you can ride and balance. You can follow our instructions. Um, and uh, and then we put them in line. We, we gear them up with cycle gear uh, stuff, helmets, jackets, gloves. And uh, then we put them on the zero bikes. Uh, um with instruction, there's a, a preamble. Um, I think I personally probably talked to 5,000 of the 6,000 riders who, who went out on the course. Um, and, uh, and we go through, we, we teach them only what they need to know, how to go, how to slow, and how to turn left. That's it. That's the basics. And, um, and then we march them out, and, and they're, on the, uh, they're on the bikes and on the course. And before they even know it, before they have a chance to to think about it too much they're twisting a throttle and they're riding a bike and 12 miles an hour doesn't seem that fast but if you've never been on a a motorcycle before and you're riding inside a bunch of water barricades with a throng of people watching from the outside it can be a pretty intimidating place but all of a sudden you're controlling the wind in a way that you never have before and it's a really compelling thing 
what what happens if they turn right? They hit the water barrels. What happens if they turn right? They hit a water barricade. And that happens. You know, we had people rub up against the wall. We had, trust me, the zeros did not go back in the same condition they arrived in. But the, uh, <laughs> um, and, you know, we, we racked up a, a reasonable parts bill. But, you know, I mean, gravity's an evil mistress, man. We want to go dance with her all the time. And, um, uh, and, and some people are not made to ride motorcycles. And it's way better to discover that at, at 12 miles an hour inside a controlled situation with professional instructors in full gear than it is to get on, you know, somebody's, uh, um, you know, Ninja 300 out in a parking lot and go screaming across the way into the one lamp post in the middle of the parking lot, you know? So you watch YouTube too, huh? <laughs> so, so yeah. let me ask you this, Robert. Um, when you're looking at the success level of this, so, so far you've talked to us about how many people have done it. Um, do you yet have any data or are planning to get any data or how the hell are you going to get data on who then goes out and actually, you know, buys a motorcycle, becomes a motorcyclist? Well, yeah. What's the, the follow through? Another yeah. really smart question. And what's your so conversion rate, said the marketing analyst. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Um, the, um, of course there's waivers to fill out, right? So now I've, we've got your email and we've got your, um, uh, your address. Um, next step. <laughs> Uh, we know where you live. Creepy at we, all. We are watching. Um, we uh, so now there's an opportunity we can we can connect with prospect riders it, through a, an original database that is virtually impossible to get outside of this kind of a process. So we so all the people who now have that one brain cell that says now I know I can do this. We now can turn around to them and say here's a 10% coupon for a total control course in your area. If you sign up with this coupon code, go do that. And so they, you know, a percentage will go do that. Some will do it within three months. Some might take a couple of years, you know, um, the, uh, the next step of them actually buying motorcycles, trying to get OEMs to give up, you know, motorcycle lists is that's impossible. Yeah. Um, you know, they don't want to share that kind of information. Uh, but, we we know who those people are. We know when they come back into the into the motorcycle show because many of them do take surveys and that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And we can go back and we can resurvey them. So the over the course of um, time, it is going to be a minimum a year before we start to get any real data on on who's sure. signing up for uh, safety courses and stuff. Um, but when we start to get into that data, and over the course of five or ten years of doing this the database is going to be really compelling and we will have a really good idea of who is, who's been impacted by this in such a way that it brought them into motorcycling. So, so who's, who's funding discover the ride is that zero and cycle gear and total control donating their time and stuff to do that, try to make new customers. Um, yeah, there's, there is a, a lot of, uh, in kind, you know, um, zero, uh, loaned us the motorcycles. They worked with, uh, myself, uh, and, uh, some of the instructors to really, uh, you know, make the throttle program as new rider friendly as possible. Um, they had some money in having, you know, transporting eight motorcycles between eight different motorcycle shows is not free. You know, I mean, those semi trucks cost something to go down the road. Um, the water barricades and some of the 
venues cost $20,000 to rent um, just for one weekend show. So when you, when you really think of the additive cost of laying out the carpet, the labor to lay out the carpeted course to set up the um, cycle gear display and, you know, blah, 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 all the insurance, all that sort of thing, there is a considerable cost. The bulk of that cost was carried by the International Motorcycle Shows Tour. Um, we would love to see brands step up and continue to take part in this. And we did have brands, so for instance, Yamaha, as an extension to discover the ride, um, had uh, paid for a uh, dyno uh, motorcycle. It was a FZ07 strapped down to kind of a rolling road thing. Uh, and so new riders without helmets, without gear, can get on a bike that can't possibly fall over and and get the feel for a running engine and letting the clutch out. Harley-Davidson had the same program. Uh, they called it Kickstart. So those brands step up in their own unique way. Um, the opportunity, however, for a brand like the next step in motorcycling is obviously rider training. But the step after that is insurance. So the opportunity for an insurance company to step up and be a presenting sponsor for Discover the Ride is really mm. compelling because guess who wants to sell insurance to new riders? See what happens right? when you turn right. You should use insert right. company here. Yeah, exactly. So please, uh, please. Yeah, these please. walls brought to you by Geico. Exactly. So um, I think that uh, uh, the, oper- the, the, the the output of this is um, literally helmet manufacturers, jacket manufacturers, tire insurance companies, you know, uh, dealerships, clubs, motorcycle clubs. It's just, you know, it's uplifting for the entire industry in a compelling way. Please, please, please tell me that the carpeted course you guys laid out look like a cartoon road like on a kid's playset. man i wish it would have it was black carpet oh boring opportunity missed boring so i will i will donate 12 mile an hour motorcycles on polished concrete is still freaking sketch man i'm telling you oh yeah but it would look so awesome (laughs) (laughs) well so i'm i'm I'm, i've got a daydream that we end up doing the uh the indoor electric uh flat track championship you know concurrent with the javits show upstairs in the uh up, up the upstairs venue that would be awesome so did you get any kind of negative feedback about discovered to ride and that's a good question i mean we had we have traditionalists in the industry who don't like change oh know? really yes <laughs> do These they ride leaders. harleys <laughs> they have well they ride everything you know trust me there's everything there's, harley there, there's plenty of uh uh triumph guys and bmw guys that that can turn coal into diamonds too so but the um uh you know there's there's certainly the you know the four fingers on the brake lever crowd and then there's the process crowd and and all the gear all the time crowd and all you know all that kind of stuff so we you know that's fine and and everyone can have their opinion about about that but um in the broad swath of things if this industry does not fundamentally change the way that we attract new ridership, and invite them you know, in. we're, we're going to end up being, it's, you know, it's like owning a horse, you know, nobody has to have a horse anymore. It's just an option. And motorcycles are like really close to that. That probably are that. Mine, mine shits less, but really? Okay. No, that's not true at all. I retract my previous statement. I've seen the story. <laughs> so what, so, so, Programs like Discover the Ride that welcome yeah. new riders in, 
what you mentioned before, there's the kind of this fundamental change that the OEMs are going to need to adopt in order to bring them in. Is it just the programs that invite people in, or are they going to have to fundamentally change like what and how they make it and who they make it for? Yeah, I think, you know, an OEM's mission is to create a product that people want to buy in relatively short order. That's their job. They, mm-hmm. they sell products, right? And so, um, you know, the... Uh, one would expect that uh, uh, the major brands are going to get together and try and elevate the sport. And there's a little bit of that done through um, Motorcycle Industry Council, through um, you know MSF initiatives, AMA. But it's uh, you know I personally, this is me personally speaking. This is not a statement from the IMS at all. But this is just <laughs> right. so yeah. I gotta you know I still gotta pay for my house, guys. But the uh, um, uh, personally, I feel like that as an industry, we don't have a, a, a compelling categorical just do it or got milk. We don't have that. Uh, but the the basics of riding a bike, whether it's a motorcycle you want to make fun of because it has conchos and chrome on it or that you want to make fun of because it's only a 250cc bike or that it leaks oil or that it's, you know, it's not $30,000 or whatever the case – the fundamentals of riding any of those products is is basically the same. You know, the top yeah. three reasons to ride any brand motorcycle all boil down to the same, you know, control, freedom, uh, and, uh, and and that sort of, uh, awesomeness. Uh, yes, that general awesomeness of being on two wheels with, with something to power it is freaking great. And so as a category, we, we don't – we don't entice people in. I hear the automotive, um, you know, side of things, uh, whining about, you know, millennials not wanting cars and stuff. Like awesome. <laughs> What's your categorical slow? Why would anybody want a car? You know, I what, just think what you, you can't think? afford. Yeah. And so it's, uh, uh, we have to do that as an industry in motorcycling is to, is to find that language. The most powerful spokesperson for that industry is the people who are already in it. So Scott Harden's uh, AMA Plus One initiative is very simple. It's just bring a buddy. Just bring a buddy to a motorcycle shop, intervene between the sales guy who wants to make a commission and your buddy who's, you know, is going to get scared of that and just walk around and look at bikes and sit on something. You know, it's just it's just really that simple. Uh, and uh, while the industry is finally, you know, going to start to come to that realization in the next few years. There's a bunch of us who are busy putting kids on Strider bikes that, you know, 10, 15 years from now, we're going to build an audience for the for the motorcycle industry. So um, it's really, you know, the, the, the challenge to this industry is is uh, to kind of quit talking to ourselves uh, and think bigger because we all get it because, you know, we're already doing it. But when you're around somebody who's relatively new to riding and you give them that experience and they they have their first 100-mile ride, which seems like climbing a mountain for them, or they do their first overnight trip on a bike, it's unbelievable. Just the, just the energy and the excitement of that, and it's just fun to be around. And it just – it even gets the – the crustiest old motorcycle instructor gets them fired up again for, for why it is we do this. Can you talk a little bit about the, the survey you guys are doing with the people who took part? You're like, who, who, who are they? Who are these people? What were you finding? 
oh yeah, I've got that. You know, if you give me a minute, I can actually find that. I'm sitting here on my computer. I should have it in front of me. Ask me something else really intelligent. What's your ride? I have a, I have 12 motorcycles. Nice. So, Which one do you ride? Um, well, the, my zero is actually the one that I, um, I don't ride the most miles on, but it's the one I, I turn on the most, mm. uh, because it's just so, so it's easy. electric. It's so woody, easy. Woody, woody. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, get, I live in Texas normally and, and, you know, there's no heat, there's no, it's just, it's just really, really a great, uh. Uh, a tool for that, you know, and I just bought my first Harley. So feel free to mock me for that, but I'm going to turn it in. I bought a 2009 883 Sportster that had 650 miles on it. But yeah, from a lady who, uh, who hurt her back soon after buying, not riding, but in another way. And the bike just kind of sat there and I bought it and I'm going to turn it into a Hugo Moto, um, adventure bike. So, now it may it may interest you to know that the 883 with the 1200 engine upgrade is one of the more sought after sportsters because you get the low gearing from the 883 and the 1200 motor and it just fucking screams. Which is why I bought an 883 and it's going to have a full sportster or SNS hooligan kit in it. Well then, so, yeah. <laughs> Todd approves. Suck on that for a while. <laughs> Did you guys just wave your dicks at each other? Is that what just happened? Yeah, it's awesome. Hey. It's beauty, beauty of podcasts. I'm apologizing because I'm having to dig into old files to to find this stuff. I want to I want to get some uh, some real uh, uh, numbers for you here. So, what do you think the industry is doing wrong as far as marketing in general? I think we talk to ourselves too much. You know, I I really uh, wish that uh, um, we did a more compelling job of bringing new riders in and. And, you know, there will be people who, uh, um, there will be people who say that, hey, look at this initiative or look at this thing, um, that we're doing or we did these rides in monster truck races or whatever. And that's, that's great. There's great little staccato singular sorts of things. Uh, but the, um, uh, but the truth is, is that, uh, again, is that, you know, we have to, we have to quit talking to ourselves. We have to, you know, get into, you know, a display at the Mall of America. We, you know, why isn't motorcycling more representative at SEMA or at, uh, you know, at um, uh, what's the big electronic show out in Vegas? CES. CES. Yeah. I mean, why, that's, are, why aren't we? Why aren't we advertising with like esports? Because speaking as a person who is a nerd who liked video games, the next logical step was buying a motorcycle for me. I'm not even joking about that. Like, yeah. I mean, everyone I know is a nerd doing, loves those things. Yeah. Why aren't exactly. we rebooting demo rides at? Say that again. Why aren't we rebooting Street Hawk? Wasn't that the show from the 80s with the motorcycle? Mm-hmm. I think it was like the motorcycle version of Knight Rider. I think in the 80s I was busy uh, graduating college. I was in high school, so screw you. <laughs> I just discovered Nintendo me, and girls. Me old, if you will. <laughs> so uh, some of the so here's some of the uh, quick data on. Uh, uh, on the tour here. So, um, 40%, 47% of the discover the ride new rider course participants, 47% after this was a survey after 6,800 participants, right. Um, were female. That would be so, nearly representative. Right. That's cool. 
That's cool. But at, you walk into a motorcycle show. Oh, yeah. what does that show look like? No, exactly. Mm. So, so within a motorcycle show full of dudes, right? 47% of the new riders coming through that program were female. And I've heard the industry go over and over and over again. We need to get uh, more uh, women riding, which I, I believe I, I did this give a shift, uh, moto give a shift report, uh, gosh, about a year and a half ago. And, and one of the top conclusions was if mom rides, the kids will ride. And that extrapolated into more women riding equals more people riding, not just those women, but they have a huge positive effect. It worked for me. Especially overall. if they give birth while riding. What? What? With sidecar support. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, that, that, that's a compelling kid thing. So we had uh, 2,300 kids who uh, rode the, the Stasic bikes in the kid zone for the first time. Um, and if, if your listeners are not familiar with those, there's are basically, you know, bicycles wed with uh, little electric motors uh, that are speed limited. And, you know, mom can kind of dial that up and down as the, as the kid has ability. Uh, and, uh, and it's just a, a little electric mini bike that they can go cruising around in the backyard, not make noise, not make emissions, not make heat, you know, and go, uh, you know, and go cruise around out there. So, you know, it's like little data like that, that, um, that just speaks to the success of the program. Mm -hmm. And, and I could just tell you, uh, you know, of, of the non-licensed riders who participated, we did have licensed riders who wanted to try an electric bike, for instance, just scratch that itch. Of the non-licensed riders, um, 64% were under the age of 35. So this BS that oh, well. millennials aren't interested in motorcycling oh, I is can, just proved to be that. I can guarantee you that's complete BS. My class was one guy over the age of 40 and like millennials as far yeah. as the eye could see this weekend. Right, exactly. So, you know, in, in this industry, the, uh, and again, this is just a broad, broad brush statement here, but, but we reward people by displacement, you know, and, and we've all heard the story about the sales guy who's like, Oh, you're going to outgrow that 600. You might as well get the 750 now. You might as well get the thousand CC bike now. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Right. And we've now all you can't afford that. it. And now, yep. Right. Yep. And, 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 then you're, and you realize how much the insurance is. And then the first time you drop the clutch on the thing, it's just like, holy shit. And, you know, my first bike, uh, you know, back in the day was uh, a Suzuki GN250, a single cylinder, dual valve, um, five speed air cooled drum brakes on both ends. I jerk it had I joke that it had a. Uh, um, anti-lock brakes because no matter how hard you pull the lever they would <laughs> and so the original anti-lock right yeah, yeah just ineffective brakes it's just it's not as good a marketing tactic Suggestive so um, brakes. anyway but that that 250 which could barely muster 60 miles an hour was a fantastic first motorcycle for me my next bike was a yamaha radian 600 uh which was a great bike and, and then just you know i got to move up through that ladder if, as an industry, we don't start celebrating smaller bikes, which I am seeing through the custom culture, you look at some of the custom bikes that are at the one show or at handbuilt or coming out on bike exif and you know the, like these cool little surf bikes and stuff like that you know it those that stuff's coming around, but as a broader industry, we have to be as enthusiastic about small bikes um you know if I'm riding uh, a royal enfield uh, uh four hundred over the Himalayan mountains in India. That's pretty freaking epic. You know, having a big BMW GS is like, yeah, whatever. 
but you know, doing it on a small bike is there, there's a sense of accomplishment and approachability to that. That's just fantastic. So, well, yeah, cause you know, the bike only goes so fast that people can just keep up with you by walking and you can talk to them. <laughs> you could be an ambassador. <laughs> right. It's exactly that. Awesome. I'd go for a ride with you guys on, on underpowered bikes in Moab. Yep. <laughs> But it's, I'd, I'd be all over that. Yeah, why not? That sounds like fun. It's, it's truly, you know, what it does is it starts to take away all the perform, you know, this performance thing where you're going to wheelie over stuff and you're going to fly through and, and, and your vision instead of being narrow to the trail because you don't want to fall off that cliff over there actually widens up and you actually start to turn your head more and you start to see this environment that you get to ride through mm-hmm. and you're rolling it through a throttle and everything riding small bikes through an interesting environment is one of the most compelling things we can do in our lives. Cool. Last time we went through Moab with Todd on an underpowered bike, he cried. Was everyone else on an overpowered bike? Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. If Chuck had been on a slow bike, we would have just been like, we're the slow kids. Yeah. And now it's yeah, fun. As, as I'm thinking about it, actually, there was a lot of my stress coming from like, God, I'm going so slow. <laughs> Whereas if we'd both been on slow bikes, I'd have been like, fuck it, we're slow. But I kept telling you, don't worry about it. I know, but that doesn't, that doesn't, I'm slow no matter what bike I'm on. <laughs> you know, that phenomenon exists right now in the modern, you look at the Grom packs out there. Uh, yeah, one of them came and wheelied the entire way around at AIM. Oh yeah, I remember those that dudes. Was, that was pretty bad. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, that's just fun, man. I had a, I had a Grom for all of 99 miles, but I had one and, um, it, uh, it was just a riot. You know, I used to race YSR 50s. That was my first race bike, uh, you know, back in the early 80s. It was a YSR 50. What and, happened? Um, it, or mid 80s, I guess. What, uh, what happened at mile 99? What I traded it in on a Yamaha FZ09. Oh, boring. <laughs> yeah, I was nice. hoping for an epic so, fireball. <laughs> yeah right get on with yeah yeah depreciated no I, I managed to sell it for what i bought it for in the height of the ground thing because i here's here's the deal it's like because of my ysr 50 racing experience and i live in a small town in texas one guy on a grom riding through traffic is an asshole right and because you're just you're you know you're just you just you don't you know but if you got two now it's a race now it's fun you know <laughs> <laughs> don't race on city streets kid uh, yeah. Hey, kids, take care. But anyway, but the, you know that that phenomenon is out there. There's, there's, there's again, small, approachable, fun motorcycling is out there. I think the hero, for instance, in in Suzuki's uh, lineup, uh, everyone thinks Suzuki is GSXR and and you know and RMZs, and, you know, and that kind of thing. Uh, the hero in the lineup, to me, is the Van Van 200. That thing is awesome. Exactly, and it's just it's just fun. It's cool to look at. It's and easy you can put to put a sheep on the back. It's it's frumpy. It's like sort of it, there's an approachability to it. So what would instead of like GSXR, you're going to do a track day? What do you do with a Van Van 200? Man, I throw <laughs> a beach race out on Pismo Beach, you know, and have a big old bonfire and have a nighttime beach race with you know with like mini bonfire corner markers, and that would be just a riot. That would be so fun, and um uh, and that that's the sort of thing that makes motorcycling approachable is you don't have to drop 10 grand on something to get into it. You can yeah. you can buy a used I bought a used TW 200 to just make like a like a a little uh, Japanese brat style run around town sort of scrambler that I can loan to a new rider to say, hey, let's go, you know, let's head over to the cafe, grab some coffee. So 
This make me want a Kia 250 with a milk crate. I'm not going to lie. I kind of want a Grom. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, man. This is, you know, that's the thing. It's like when you realize that that motorcycling is additive, right? Motorcycle, like I compare motorcycles to shoes all the time. I tell people I have 11, 12 motorcycles. Motorcycles are like, oh, that's cool. You know, non-motorcycles, like, God, why do you need so many of those? I'm, I'm like, fucking doing all those. Yeah, right. It's like, well, I got hiking boots. I got dress shoes. I got mm-hmm. some, you know, kicks or I got... You know, I got sneakers for this. I got, you know, other shoes. I got boots for that. So a smelly pair with a hole in them. Yeah, right. Exactly. I make the same analogy, too, but I usually compare them to girls. Wow. Aren't you a player? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think he bought your shit yet. He said sarcastically. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that came through. So... (laughs) Even so, with the video off, asshole. Oh, yeah, that's right. oh so, Chuck, you better get that fire out before it gets worse. <laughs> you know, so, you I mean, both can just. <laughs> that's the thing that we can all do as motorcycle is, is like is just make it fun. And so, just going back to IMS and discover the ride um, to invite a non-rider to a motorcycle show and to, and to ha- and not just go drag them to go look at the S one thousand RR one hundred and ninety horsepower superbike thing, but to to show them the fun approachable stuff out there and then to just get on, you know, Facebook marketplace or Craigslist or whatever and, and find like a cheap runabout, you know, uh, like Bic lighter of a, of a single cylinder motorcycle. I had like one, I built one of those Rika Suzuki Savage cafe bike kits, you know, and wrote a story for a magazine and stuff. And, um, that that ended up being my little turd run around town bike, and it was so it, it's it was so much fun at just that right. It was to to try and ru- like I could ride that bike to a hundred percent because a hundred percent of that bike was significantly lower than a hundred percent of an FZ09. A hundred percent of an FZ09 on the street is going straight to jail, but on a Suzuki Savage Cafe bike is thrilling without you know, having red and blue lights behind you. And so it's just, you know, little bikes are, are a lot of fun and such a, it's such a compelling way to bring new people in. If 33% of existing riders had like a little, you know, uh, um, I don't know, a little, uh, uh, TW 200 used bike sitting in their collection, they'd end up using it on camping trips and stuff themselves, but they would end up being able to loan it out to somebody to, learn how to ride or to, you know, to invite them to come along and go to the beach and go race around a bonfire. All right. Well, there you have it, listeners. This is the official call out. Go out and buy a small, cheap bike and have some fun with it. Tell them we sent you. Robert, thanks so much for being on with us tonight. This was really cool. You guys going to be at the upcoming season for IMS? Yeah, absolutely. Discover the Ride will be there. Um, if your listeners are not familiar with the IMS tour, it's at motorcycleshows.com and, um, that, you know, it, there's coupons and stuff like that that we throw out there all the time. So, so keep an eye out for that stuff. And again, I, I appreciate the energy it takes for you guys to, um, wake up in the morning, but even beyond that to work on the podcast and to do all that sort of stuff and to make fun of other writers and to speak you know, to talk the talk and, uh, and, and what, you know, what it takes to, uh, be an enthusiast now is to put in that extra work and you guys are clearly doing it through this. So thanks for your time. Who's he talking about? Yeah, you guys, you should be serious. So, um, yeah, it's, you know, I mean, it's easy to sit back and, and postulate, 
but and it's hard to actually do something about it. So if you're taking that time to edit one of these things and put it together and and tell all 12 of your listeners that we're you know that you're going to do this, then it's uh, that's worth it to me. So thank you. Thanks, man. We'll catch you later. Hey, take care, guys. See you out on the road. So I I, I got to be honest. I I went into that interview expecting to th- to kind of like tear into him a little. Really? About what? Well, the whole discover the ride thing. I was just like, I, honestly, right were... from you can hear it right from the beginning where I'm like, honestly, I think this is dumb. I'm going to go convince people at a motorcycle show to ride yeah, motorcycles. That was my thing is like they're doing it at a motorcycle show. If you're a non-rider there, you're probably there because you're a hostage. Right. You're <laughs> either a hostage or you're like going to be a rider soon. Like this, mm-hmm. this is kind of it, right? Yeah. Because my whole, you know, I, I got into motorcycles late in life, mm-hmm. mid thirties. Not once ahead of that was I ever was like, hey, I should go to a motorcycle show. Boy, I should go to a. You know, Chuck, I was thinking that, you know, what we should do next week is we should go to a boat show where motorboats are. Motorboats? Yes. So that you can harangue them? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, no. (laughs) So you can disparage and glare and judge? Just just so I can feel vaguely superior to them. But, (laughs) yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I'm not like, oh, boy, let's go to a motorboat show. (laughs) (laughs) Yippee. I want to go to a proctologist show that you know, sounds fun you know what we should do chuck because we should go to a really jacked up pickup show so we can see the most jacked oh, up pickups yeah yes yeah with the tires oh. do you like jacked up pickups no me me neither but let's go well, let's go to a show maybe they'll have an experience we can Ooh, right. we can drive around in a jacked up pickup and after we gel our hair your hair kind of does is sticking straight my up. hair sticks straight up with no encouragement I mean, whatsoever it's just, it's just doing it i literally have to use gel to keep it down you you are just fitting it then you are their mm-hmm. people yes <laughs> it's all true <laughs> i guess i guess it's truck clock for me i mean literally you're wearing that's true i am wearing a mossy oak uh sweatshirt yeah. right now and have hair that sticks up straight off the front of my head but you would blend <laughs> uh, i'd be like bruh I like those uh, 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 big swamper tires because I feel cool with them. Okay. And the uh, the shocks that are longer than normal. The shock? Uh, how much? How much longer? I spent a hundred dollars at J.C. Whitney. <laughs> <laughs> and about Cabela's? Uh the you love? D- they're great. Yes. Good. I heart. Bellas. You're ready to go. Mm. You're ready to go undercover. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was. I, I mean, it was. I, I liked better that they at least went to a auto show to do this. Yeah, I'm hoping they expand that more. Well, and and as you get past the the silliness of the I'm going to a motorcycle show to get people to ride motorcycles mm-hmm. and start to understand a little more of what he has in mind, he's not wrong. No, you no, know? like no, that's the really good. thing I kept coming to. I'm like, boy, he's got a good point. Actually, yeah. is it's that it's the you know and. I was fully expecting too to be there to be the industry thing about well, the industry is suffering. The industry is fucking suffering because their bikes are too fucking expensive. Right. Bottom line, it doesn't seem like that. An entry level bike is five thousand fucking dollars. Yeah. That's, or you can go buy something used for less. Yeah. He just wants people riding. Yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. I think he's. I, I think he's onto something. It's, I'll be interested to see what the actual turnaround on it is. Mm-hmm. That that's that's you know maybe a few years of right. data. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it can't hurt. And if they're willing to to set forth the effort, then what the hell, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, good luck to you, Rob. 
we yeah. wish you the best. That was pretty cool. Mm. What have you learned tonight, Chuck? Bye. <laughs> okay, well, same to you then. <laughs> Jeez. I've learned I've learned that it's very difficult to listen to people talk about how great electric motorcycles are when I don't get mine until next year. I <laughs> just maybe that just made me that just made me cringe <laughs> i was like what do you know? we got a zero dealer i know we could yeah. you know what we need to do mm-hmm. we just go to an ims show mm-hmm. and ride their their zeros mm-hmm. in the 12 mile an hour yeah and and just keep trying to turn right <laughs> <laughs> do these things have horns that play music why You'll see. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, when he was just like, you just need to learn left turns. It's like, oh, so we're breaking people into NASCAR. Uh, They should take this to NASCAR. Yeah. Oh, my God. Don't worry. You only need to turn left. Everybody's like, oh, thank God. Yes. (gasps) Oh, 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 I've had an attack of the vipers. Yeah, NASCAR is perfect for this. Mm. That's all we got time for this week. Until next time, I'm Todd. Bye. Right, safe, everyone. You can contact us at wheelnerds at gmail.com or leave us a message at area code 8-0-1-3-0-5-4-6-7-7. Record an intro for our show of you and your bike, and maybe it'll be on a future show. Stickers and other merchandise is available at our website, www.wheelnerds.com. If you use iTunes or Stitcher, please leave a review for us. Help, write our URL on bathroom walls if it helps. If you like this podcast, you can find more like it at wheelnerds.com. This has been a Wheelnerds production, all rights reserved. Readings from other sources are the property of their respective owners and are used with satirical intent. All right, we're on with Rab. <laughs> <laughs> Jinx. Jinx myself. Well, I know what our cold opener is. Oh, fuck you. <clears throat> Hi, and welcome to Wheelnerds. This is episode. <laughs> nope. <laughs> <laughs> One more time. <laughs> you, you fucked up Robert, okay? <laughs> At least I was in the ballpark. I didn't call him like, hey, Steve. Steve. <laughs> Bye. You're not, I'm not Steve. <sighs> Bye then. <laughs> Bye. Oh. We are the most, we are the, woo. Hi, and welcome to Wheel Nerds. This is episode one. (laughs) God damn it. Tell me you did that on purpose. No. (laughs) Apparently we need to stop. Show's over. (laughs) Thanks, folks. Do you want to just call it one something? No one will know. No one will care. We we'll call this episode one. One, the revenge. <laughs> <sighs> okay, one last try at this. Hi and welcome. <laughs> What's wrong, Todd? Hi and welcome. <laughs> Stop making noise. <laughs> Getting away from my mic here, so I'm not.